G'day guys, welcome to episode 134 of Talking With TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell. Special episode today is with an all-time origin legend in none other than Tim Brasher. And one of my favorite players, you know, growing up in the 90s, Tim would debut in 1992 in origin. His last origin was in the year 2000 in one of the record wins by the Blues. All up, he played 21 origins, mostly at fullback, an absolute cracking fullback. Big Teddy Tedesco really reminds me of him today. But, you know, in terms of positional play, speed, he pretty much had it all, could even goal kick. So we, we do have a chatty. You know, he's one of the only players, he's not many of them that have scored 100 tries and kicked 100 goals in his career. So one of the only ones to do that. But some great origin stories, as well as some great Balmain Tigers stories as well, as, as well as post-footy. He was actually a caddy on the US PGA and also the Europe PGA Tour as well. So some great tales ahead from from Brash. Big shout out to all you guys listening to the show. Really appreciate all the reviews of late. So if you haven't yet, if you could just jump on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, if that's how you listen, or even just on the Facebook page, if you can give that a like and also a review on there, that would be much appreciated. If you want to catch up on the back catalogue, definitely check it out at www.talkingwithtk.com. Whether you're into NRL or any other sport, I guess there's something for everyone on the podcast. Definitely get in touch. I really appreciate anyone that's reached out of late, whether it's a yarn about footy or a guest request or even a suggestion about the show. Really love hearing from you. So either send me a direct message on Facebook or Twitter. The pages there are at Talking With TK. Or definitely hit me up on email. It's definitely me who responds. So send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, guys, excited for Origin, excited for this Origin legend, and I introduce Tim Brasher. All right, guys, my special guest today is Tim Brasher. Tim is a legend of rugby league with his distinguished career, seeing him debut for the Balmain Tigers while still at school, playing in one of the greatest grand finals of all time in 1989. His career would span from 1989 to 2002, playing 244 first-grade games across the Tigers, Souths, Cowboys, while his representative career included 21 state of origins for New South Wales and also 16 tests for Australia. A welcome to the podcast, the legend. Timmy Brasher. Tim, welcome, buddy. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolute pleasure, buddy. So, mate, it is only a few days out from Origin now, and, you know, for all us guys, it's like Christmas. For a legend like <laughs> yourself, Tim, how do you spend your Origin night? Well, most of the time I'm, uh, I'm doing, uh, it's the only time I kind of do a little bit around the football arena. I generally do some uh, corporate gigs, speaking gigs. Yep. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's good fun time. We get to see the game and uh, get paid to do it and, yeah. and chat to people about footy, which uh, is a rare thing for me. Yeah, Tim, it's it, you're in a unique position because back in 92, you came off the bench to make your debut. And, you know, we've got five deputants on Friday. We've got Cam Murray, Cody Walker, Haas, Wyden and Kotrick. Talk to me a little bit about how you found out about your debut. Um, I, I suppose... Um, it was weird. Uh, it was a decider too. So I think there was an injury. Uh, they they'd picked um, Carter, Steve Carter from from Penrith. Um, Penrith for the first two as the utility back, and that was where I was going to get my spot. Was the utility back as like a play centre uh, wing. I played a bit of five eight, and uh, I hadn't at that stage played fullback yet. But um, yeah, no, I, I 
he got injured. So I, I was kind of hoping and I think I was at home. I used to live at home with my parents at that stage. Uh, I don't think I left home until I was 25. <laughs> it was too easy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good idea, mate. I think you've, you've, given some, you've given some good advice already. I was saving my dollars. Um, and, uh, but uh, it was too easy at home. Yeah, everything was done for me. Um, so I, um, I, I got the news and I was at home, yeah. I was with, and my dad and my, uh, my stepmother was there. And, uh, yeah, we did a little... Uh, little celebration and uh yeah it was pretty amazing you know it's one of those things i you it's the best game of footy in the world there's you know i played world cup finals and, and there i suppose a world cup final is is an equal to it but uh you know your average test match especially in my day when you know australia was so much better than everyone else mm. um it didn't compare like origin was as tough as it got and as good as it got yeah, Tim, when you have a look and reflection on that team that you actually debuted in, I had a look today. It was E.T., McGregor, Freddie, Daly, Stewart, Clyde, Cartwright, Ciro, Chief, Benny, and Lazo. Mate. Pretty, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> to be on the bench for that, you would have been just in amazement because at the at the time, what were you, like 21 years old? 21, yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I was just hoping to, to do okay. And I had my, my brother and sister out there at the game, and, you know, I remember running out. And uh, just knowing where they were sitting and seeing them, I was pretty pretty proud to be there for the family. And then uh, the fact that I actually got a full half a footy, I, I wish he somehow hurt one of those hamstrings. His legs are bigger than anything. I wish he. <laughs> I think he might have been feeling feeling sorry for me. So he, uh, I got to go on the wing and as it happened, uh, probably had the best half of football of my life. Tim, what's it like? In terms of, because at the time you're only 21, so you're much younger than a lot of the people in the actual team. What's, on that day, the first day that you arrive in camp, what's, how long does that bonding session go for? And like, what, what happens at these things, mate? Okay. Well, my, my first, uh, my first camp, in the old days, we bonded a bit differently. We had a, we had a few beers, <laughs> went out and had a bit of fun. And, um, so that first one was, uh, pub golf. So, um, pub golf, but or is this in the eastern on, suburbs? No, in, around the rocks. Okay. So, uh, I was a non drinker. So, Ciro told the boys, he said, look, Brash doesn't drink. So, um, so I had to carry, we had a green jacket and uh, a, score, a scoreboard. And I was the, <laughs> I was the uh, chief green jacket carrier and the scoreboard until someone was a leader and they wore the jacket. And in each pub, I'd walk in first with the scoreboard up. And uh, I think uh, by the second pub, I think we had Chris Johns and Craig Salvatore at uh, 20 under. And I used to tell them, what, what this is par four, this is a par three. Is this how you became such a good caddy? Um, yeah, a little bit. But uh, by, the, by the third pub, I decided that I'm going to have to start having a couple of drinks because I can't understand what these guys are saying. <laughs> so um, so I decided that I'd, uh, I'd uh, enjoy the... Uh, Whenever I made a rep team, I'd enjoy the, the bonding sessions, and I'm so glad I did because I bonded well and we had such a great time. Who was the best drinker back then? Oh, there's a few, don't worry. But uh, the best thing is was that we're all good at recovering and, uh, you know, we had a good night. But when it got down to uh, the time to bond and, and play and, and train hard, we did that as well. So uh, it's just a different era. And, uh, yeah. You know, I think uh, it certainly helped me to bond because, you know, I'd, uh, I'd get to know Laurie Daly. I'd get to know uh, these legends of the game that uh, I'd watched, you know, for a few years before that. So uh, I think it certainly helped me uh, break the ice. Tim, who, who'd you room with? I, most of my room, 
I'm up the time I room with uh, probably the ugliest man in rugby league, Mr. Andrew Eddinghausen. Oh, himself. Yeah, no, it was great. I could just, you know, get to look at ET all day. It was great. It made me feel great <laughs> about myself. <laughs> yeah. No, oh. but I had him and uh, Rob Wishart. They were my main two that I room with. There you go. In did, origin. Did Wishart try to teach you to goal kick? Because I know you goal kick tapes. I didn't realise how many goals you actually kicked in your career. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, like, I think something the other day, someone said something about on, on Facebook, one of my mates from school, and I said uh, the 100-100 club, because I, I scored 100, 100, like yeah. 100, 100 drives and 100 goals. So Absolutely. I, like, I, I brought that up. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty proud of that. It was, uh, and I, I kicked the old way straight up and down before I leaned it forward. And you wouldn't believe it, when I started leaning it forward, I was actually a better goal kicker, but there was guys better than me, so I didn't get a kick. <laughs> Brash, what was Phil Gould like back then? Because he was relatively young himself. Well, G- Gus was uh, Gus was definitely, I would say, the best representative coach I had. He was a great coach for uh, New South Wales. Um, I'm not sure what he was like week in, week out. I'm not sure he would have been his style would have suited me week in, week out mm. as a club coach. But as a Origin coach, he just said the right things at the right time, bonded us correctly. Uh, knew when you know, sometimes we. Gone pretty hard the first bonding night. We get us to the oval and just say, "Look, guys, go home, go to bed," mm. and just little things like that. But uh, just those things he got us to do: uh, walk around the pitch at Lang Park and just you know get your own little corner, think about your family. I just loved the way he went about things, and um, you know his his game plan wasn't about changing us because we're all, everyone there was a superstar in their own right. So um, no, I loved his style. Yeah, Tim, would you change anything from when you played the SFS versus playing at Lang Park? No, didn't change. I I enjoyed Lang Park more than any other ground. Probably two grounds out of all the grounds I've played in would be Lang Park and Wembley Stadium. Yep. And I've played some of my best football in both of them. So, um, but Lang Park, I love the fact they hate this. You know, I, my very first game at Lang Park was under 16's curtain raiser was the can throwing. Oh, really? <laughs> so, but we had no seating. So they put us inside the old fence, the old wire fence around there. We sat in the, basically on the sideline opposite where the can throwing happened. Oh, God. So uh, we, got, we got front row seats. It was amazing. I'm like 16-year-old going, we're going to get out of here. We got, <laughs> we, got, we got blue jerseys on. And in that team was, uh, was, was Billy Moore. <laughs> That's right. So what did they, how did they save you? My team, that is, is in New South Wales. Yeah, in New South Wales. How did they end up? What did they do? Just to, just got back under control and everything all sweet. Yeah, it was a dude. I, from what I remember, it was a couple of dudes with a flag, a big banner with New South Wales going because they had it all hill, it was all standing area back then. Yeah, packed, you know, I think thirty three thousand packed the place out, and they went around with a banner with, and those a couple of guys started throwing cans. And then all of a sudden, just went nuts. <laughs> but um, it, it was it was cool to watch and to be part of it, and uh, you know, then you know. Three or four years later, got to actually jump in the field and play big, the big game as opposed to the lead-up. It was good fun. Yeah, definitely. Back in, you know, 92, 93, like, it was very interesting for you because, you know, 92 was a huge breakout year for you. You are leading tri-scorer off the wing, though. But it was a weird one because you played fullback in the World Cup final. And then, obviously, you become the best fullback straight away in 93. How did you, how did you transition to fullback so well? I just think it's it was actually suited my game way more than the centres. And if you look at the guys who played in the centres, I was never going to be a, a representative centre. 
I was always either going to be just a utility uh, reserve uh, or, or maybe possibly a winger, but really I wasn't going to even be there. I think fullback was just my game. My my Probably my forte was reading the game. I had to, to be able to read where to be and when to be there and have that freedom to do that. And in the centres, I couldn't do that. And um, I really had, a, I suppose, a great mentor in Gary Jack, uh, especially with the defensive side of things, uh, where to be and when to be there. Um, and I just expand on that with, with the attacking game chiming in the back line because I'd have played so much time in the centres and yeah. five eight. Tim, do you see a lot of yourself in, in James Tedesco? Yes and yes and no. Um, there's things I, I had a chat to him actually before Origin a couple of years ago. Actually, yeah, it's kind of weird that he had a blinder the next day, but uh, I won't take any credit for it. But um, <laughs> he um, he the, the it went a little. It was a little early in the morning at uh, the casino, but uh, we just had a we just had a function, and um, I, he just we just said hello to each other and. Uh, I basically said to him, I said, mate, he asked me I got anything. I said, well, I said, look, I'll tell you the truth, mate. I, I can't do what you do. I, I, you know, there's things that you do I can't do. But I, I did say one thing. I said, mate, you just, you've got to really get to know your forwards and the ones you need to back up. Because they had a couple of guys uh, in the team, um, Fafita, uh, that really had good hands, a bit like Steve Roach could, you know, get that ball away in the line, before the line, after the line. I said, you've got to know when to chime off those guys in the early tackles, then go out the back as opposed to always being out in the back line. And that, that game, he, he made so much yardage off those big guys through the middle. It was amazing. And um, I, was, I was pretty proud to see what he did. And um, he's an amazing player. I, I love the way he plays. And uh, I think he's got the full package. Yeah, I agree. Definitely that style and positioning, you're very, very similar. Just looking at your your origin career and realistically how it kind of ended because 2000 Game 3, I remember being at that game at Stadium Australia when you guys absolutely torched them and it was 56-16. to 16. And one of the lasting impressions, and I know that you probably get asked this probably a little bit, is probably Brian Fletcher's post-try celebration. When, <laughs> when, you, when you look back on that, do you guys regret doing that? I think so, and I was the last one. I didn't know what was happening. If you watch the footage, all the guys jump, and I, I was like, oh, oh. then I just yeah, jumped dive on the ground. Yeah. It was just, uh, but yeah, yes and no. Um, that was the era, you know. Guys are doing, you know, post try celebrations everywhere. Uh, you know, cowboys, you know, and whatever it, it, it happened. But good thing was that we we realised it, and it never happened again. But um, in saying that, we're pretty happy because we smacked them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great way for you to finish, but because you missed yeah. 99, right? Because 98 was really your last game, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I had a, a back injury. I had my neck in um, pre-season. 98, I really did it, but it kind of went to, went to hospital and got operated on a 99. Tried to come back early to, to get in the team, but I wasn't quite ready. I could barely lift the weight above my head. And... Um, to come back the next year, I came back in the second game. They picked Peachy the first one after I was told I was in. I'm not sure what happened there. I don't want to even get into that. Oh, but really? I, I didn't care. Then I got into the uh, team and I had a certain coach come up and say, sorry, mate, it wasn't me. And uh, I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll prove to you I should have been here. And I got man of the match in the second game. So that was probably the proudest game of my origin career, coming coming back into the team. Had all my best mates in the crowd at Lang Park. And it was my favourite ground and I uh, got man of the match. So that was... And then, obviously, to finish it off with uh, with that um, that thrashing fifty six to what was it fifty six? <laughs> let's just let's just say nil. Let's just say nil. <laughs> so, 
But um, yeah, no, it was pretty cool. But uh, and then the end of that year, I ended up doing my knee, and uh, that was the end of the uh, the origin. So I'm a bit dirty that how that happened, but you know what can you do? I'm pretty ha- happy with uh, you know, how it went in the end, and you know you can't things happen for a reason, I believe, and uh, you know that knee took me elsewhere. Yeah, the 21 origins still pretty good. But Brash, let's go back a little bit to the start and. Tell me a little bit about, because, you know, you're obviously one of the favourite sons of the Balmain Tigers, but you're actually a massive West West Magpies supporter growing up, living around Lidcombe. So tell me a little bit about that. I was. My uncle was uh, their masseuse, uh, Herb Smiles. And, okay. uh So his son was the ball boy, little blonde-headed ball boy, and we he used to take me and get me into all the games, and I used to go in the sheds after games. And I think we had um, Liz Boyd and... Um, Dallas Donnelly came over once for a barbecue. There you go. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> How good pretty, was that? <laughs> I was a pretty huge fan. Uh, Tommy was my, uh, Radonikus was my favourite. So, did you, did you caddy yeah. and give him a couple of beers? Yeah, well, the good thing about Tommy was, um, you know, obviously we didn't have much to do with him, but uh, to get to play uh, in his team as him as my coach at Origin was pretty cool. Uh, that's with my favourite player as a kid. And like, he's one of the, the funniest dudes and has some of the best stories. Like I thought our stories were pretty good. Yeah. His era, his era of 70s, 80s, early 80s was just they're off tap. Yeah. Tim, so, um, Tim with, with Cattle Dog, like, can you set the scene for how he explained to the team that you guys were going to start a fight? You know, it was the forward. So I didn't really, I didn't, we weren't really privy to it in the back. So you just got a little whisper that something's going to happen. Okay. So we weren't privy to the uh, how to light the fuse. So uh, <laughs> uh, when the fuse is lit, I'm just watching kind of out there going like, you kind of want to get involved, but you don't. But then Robbie O'Davis ended up jumping in front of me, so I ended up getting involved anyway. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad it was him, not someone bigger. Yeah, definitely. So did you did you throw a couple at Robbie? I, I got one, Robbie, and got him in the eye, and I gave him a little cut, and we still laugh about it now. He lives up here at yeah, Newcastle he as well, and uh, – we talk about it and laugh about it. And two weeks later, we had to play a test match together. So we, <laughs> we, buried, we buried the hatchet pretty quick. <laughs> so, Tim, tell me a little bit about you finding rugby league because I, I listened to an interview that you did and you said that I think you scored like 100 tries as an under nine and you were a bit of a prodigy coming up through the grades. Yeah, I think my first year, I think I was uh, picking up pieces of grass and throwing it in the air. I got a photo of a six-year-old who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, but I think yeah by by about eight, um, we had a, a do for my old club team, which I only played in one club team, Bell United, in the West District back okay. then, who then changed to Balmain once West had gone to Campbelltown, and um, uh, my old coaches they said uh, I didn't like training at the time, and they kind of like you know so I, my third year I think I scored 101 tries in the season, Jesus, which I think is a record, yeah, and uh, I think they used to give me the ball back in the day we played the full field, but so I was the fastest guy to get the ball, run around them and score. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I used to give give a few tries away. I told them a little hooker. I said I could have scored 110 if I didn't give you six or seven. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, they they kind of touted me, I suppose. But you know, you, you, I think about every sport and you know the kids in general. There's so many things that happen when you, your teenage years. There's injuries. There's there's girls. There's drink. There's drugs. Mm. Um, there's so many distractions that could happen. So you know you're not there until you make it. And the weird thing is this coach saying, telling me that uh, I was a bad trainer, his hardest thing was getting me to train, is that the reason I got to the height I did was my training. I was fitter and, and stronger than every, everyone else in, in 
you know, in my position. So uh, that was my training was, you know, I wasn't a Brad Fittler. I wasn't uh, Andrew Johns with the skill level. But, mm. you know, I think when it came to training, that was my forte. So uh, it's bizarre that there's something that I wasn't renowned for as a junior <laughs> get, got me through. So that was, that was pretty cool to hear. I never knew that. Yeah, Tim, you know that, you know, you're very, very fast on the field, but you had a very unique running style that you actually kind of ran like a sprinter, like with your fingers kind of up. Who taught you to, to do that sort of technique? I have no idea. I, 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 I you know, look at the look back. I, I remember when Darren Clark came to Balmain, mm. ex uh, Australian sprinter. I look at watched him sprint. You know, I got nothing. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you know, technique and everything. And I, I look at some of the way like my knee come, my right knee comes across a bit. So I really wish I, I kind of had got taught a bit of a better running style. But in saying that, how do you know? Like, would it have helped? Don't know. But um, yeah, I think I was I was faster on the field than I was off the field. So training that, I think it was more that I I just knew the angles and you know the short the shortcut as opposed to the guys that you know I don't know it's kind of weird. I definitely was faster on the field in a game than I was off. Okay, now I've got to ask you this question because when I was doing a little bit of research, I found the top ten mullets of rugby league. <laughs> I saw that, and, and you made it. Now Et Given he's number one. And obviously, you know what? Well, it's, it's, it's a freak of a mullet. But you made, I think you're about sixth or seventh, which is pretty good when you consider how many players have been in the history of rugby league. So for a guy that ended up with the shaved head, tell me a little bit about the mullet. Yeah, well, the mullet started early. I, I was probably about 15. I remember I got a photo at schools and it was just normal, like normal haircut. And then I just didn't cut it for a while and the mullet grew. And But then uh, you know, the reason I cut the mullet, I cut it... Um, in my 21st birthday, just before that first origin, uh, that beginning that year, that before, yeah, so in March I cut it, and um, I never looked back. I kind of knew we had a, a wet game once and a bit of a high camera, and I could see a little bit of a monkey's bum happening. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I slowly took it down and uh, went number four, number two, number three, number two on the sides, blended it so. Yeah, I had a bit of a hair issue the whole way, but uh, got, got through it okay. Yeah. And now I just blade it. I don't care anymore. I'm a bit <laughs> old now. <laughs> hey, Tim, how did you end up? Because in year 10 and 11, you went to Grand M High, which is obviously Hill Sports High. Yeah. For someone that grew around, grew, did you did you guys move or were you kind yeah. of? Yeah. You know, I was, I was homeless boys. So I, was, I grew up in Concord. And then uh, Homebush Boys, and then we moved out west. My parents split up, and we moved out west. And okay. uh, best thing happened to me, I think, because uh, Grantham, my, my, the school coach, my first day at Grantham was the Athletics Carnival. Okay. And I, I, I won a bunch of things, and he's come straight up to me going, can you play footy? I said, yeah. yeah. It was a rugby <laughs> school, but I played rugby. And, um, but I told him I'm a league boy, and he, he made sure I went in all these trials and you know, playing Australian 15 school boys, Australian Open school boys. Which really obviously gives you that springboard into into grade. Because you have um, you have Freddie and David Fairley from what I've a, seen. Yeah, we had an awesome. Uh, we had an awesome uh, Australian schoolboy team. Yeah, we toured New Zealand and uh, yeah, we had Chuck Heron, uh, Kurt Landers, uh, Jason Martin, Dave Fairley, Dave Mullane played in Newcastle. Oh, we just had a the team was like amazing, and um, good bunch of guys too. So where, uh, where were you playing? In the I centers. played the centers. Yeah, yeah, center, okay. yeah. But you know, the weird thing is, this is crazy. 
the coach, uh, sorry, the manager who was our New South Wales coach, CHS coach, yep. Greg Porter, he said to me after I played a game at fullback over there and had a really good game. He, he came to me after, the, he said, if you make it in rugby league, you'll be a fullback. Do you believe that? How good is his vision? Yeah, absolutely. What, what was his reasoning? I don't know. He just said, just the way I played, he said I suited fullback. Just a support play, probably. Because I guess back yeah. then, because centres, you guys could track both left and right. It, you, you guys weren't like a left centre. Yeah, but we're also playing uh, over there. We're playing some big big dudes in the centres. <laughs> no got, doubt. You want got, to run I away. Got steam, yeah, I think you got steamrolled a couple of times. A <laughs> 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 big Kiwis ran over me. What was Freddie like back then? Wild. On or off the field, I'm assuming off. <laughs> He was he was the youngest guy on the team, and he just had the most confidence. He was just there. Uh, I remember in the in the Australian Championships, uh, we'd already made the final, and the, the Catholic schools, New South Wales Catholic schools, were playing down in Canberra, and we went to watch the game, and they're all talking about this kid Fitler. Fitler, he just ripped the. You know, I can't remember who he played in the in the, in the semi final, but uh, gee, he just tore him apart. He was so good, and he was sixteen years of age. Jesus, yeah, I've heard. So most guys were 18. I think I was 17 and Freddie was 16. 16, so Freddie was up. two years younger than the, most of the guys playing against. Yeah, Brash, were, yeah. you, were you already contracted at Balmain at this stage? Uh, then, yeah, yes, I was, yeah, I was. Who who spotted you? Like, what was the kind of breakthrough in that, that environment? Well, I was contracted at 15 to Western Suburbs. I was on a scholarship with Western Suburbs. And then when West moved to Campbelltown, I wrote to John Quayle and said, look, I can't do it. I can't go and play out there. It's an hour and a half in a train after school. Yeah. And they actually they actually squashed my contract. And then I had Parramatta and Balmain chase me. And it was Benny Elias that got me over. And what did he say to you? I, I didn't. He just. Well, the, no, it's the, just the, him being the fact of him being there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, where's the development officer? But um, I had two reasons for going. One was that I, I really wanted to stay in my club team, which had now become the Balmain district. Okay. And the other reason was I looked at the back line of, um, of Parramatta. You had like Ella, Growth. I think you had... Um, what, Kenny, Sterlo. Kenny, Sterlo. And then I looked at Balmain, had... Um, I think they had Peter Camero, Michael Moss, um, Ross Conlon. So some guys that, you know, I thought, well, not so much Ross Conlon, obviously he's, he's a great player, but Michael Moss and Camero are guys I hadn't heard of. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to have a chance, there's my spot. And, and the next year I played first grade. Okay. How'd you... So I worked out all right. Brash, how'd you end up at John Paul 2? Because I went to John Paul 2 as well. Yeah, well, uh, I, I finished at Grantham and... Um, that last year I played state in four sports and didn't, sports. didn't didn't do my HSC. I was just wanted to play sports, so <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to go back to school and do it. And my uh, mate from school who just finished HSC, his neighbour was the secretary at John Paul, and it was the best school in the area. Yep, and uh, got me a gig, and that was awesome because my uh, teacher um, Jan Davies, who told the principal make sure you get that guy in, she saw me in the uh, office. And um, she ended up becoming one of my mentors and just, like, you know, during Stuvac, I was overseas with the Tigers after we lost the grand final, having our indecision trip. And she moved me in and uh, she even summarised the whole subject, which she didn't do, which was history. She was an English teacher, taught it back to me in three days, and I got uh, 70 out of 100 in that class. Jesus. So she got she got me through the HSC and uh, was an amazing lady and still is a great friend of mine. 
It's actually funny. Bad and John- Brad Fittler's. Actually, Freddie used to come over too. It, it's really funny. You probably don't realize this, Brash, that at John Paul too. so you probably didn't even get to play any games there, right? But there's... Um, I wasn't allowed to. I, I played only Commonwealth Bank Cup. I didn't yeah. play the CCC because that was part of just the demise Remember the road at Marion next to the primary school? There used to be like a big... I'm not sure if at the time it was a, a football field for you guys, but there was obviously... Yeah, there a, was. It was a big oval, but they had a big gymnasium they ended up building in there, and they, they ended oh, up really? putting this massive board on there. And at the top of each one would be something like Australian Schoolboys, New South Wales CCC, all the rep teams into New South Wales State of Origin, Australian... So your name was huge on the top of obviously all of them because until Tony Pulitua came along, like you were pretty much the only rep player. How cool is that? Yeah, that's, so that's pretty amazing. I, I, that's something I'd like to have had a photo of or something. Eventually. I'll see if I maybe I can. I know someone in the area and maybe they can get a photo because well, obviously I graduated in in two thousand, so obviously that's that's nineteen years ago. But when I drive past, wow. it goes we go to mum and dad's house. It's still there, so I'm assuming it's still inside. Cool. And I remember I did a gig at, um, at Hill Sports and uh, you know, saw their old, they had the Grantham board there too because I got sports from the year three times, last three years there. And that was pretty cool like, to sit there and go, oh, wow, you know, you just it's just something you can just go, like, to be proud of. And it's pretty cool. To look no, at those things. 100%. Now, again, you know, the West Tigers have merged, but your debut is at Campbelltown against Wests playing for Balmain off the bench. Now, back in those days, obviously, you play probably play Reggie's before you actually play first grade. Is that what happened on <laughs> yep. that day? Yep, you play a full game of Reggie's. And I'm, I remember my first game was at the North Sydney Oval and 21s. I played a full game of 21s, came off the bench, scored a couple of tries in reserve grade. Then I played reserve grade the next week. And that, and like that, that week at, uh, at West was amazing to play against West, my first time in first grade. And it's weird, like 20 minutes when I got, came on and – all I can remember is two things is, that's Wayne Pierce. That's Wayne Pierce. <laughs> that, that's Gary Jack. That's Ben Elias. I just, I was in a, I was just in a haze of, wow. And then I remember going up in the defensive line and Wayne Pierce just smashed this dude. I'm like, this is like next level, <laughs> you know. But I felt so comfortable knowing that he was going to tackle that guy. So I didn't have to worry about the guy who was in front of him. I just had to worry about my guy. But uh, yeah, I was in awe of uh, where I was, that's for sure. Do you get a little match payment for, for running off the bench? Yeah, I think it's, they've got a percentage of the time you play. It's kind of, don't worry, I, me being the uh, the bookkeeper I am now, <laughs> I, had to, I, I had a little book I had a little book to make sure that I got all my payments. <laughs> and there'll, there'll be guys out there listening to this going, oh, yeah, typical brush. <laughs> brush, uh, yeah. is it true that you tried to go to uni to study accountancy, but you had to quit because you had fans in there or something? Yeah, so what happened is I went uh, three weeks and uh, – about the the second week, this girl started wearing my jersey <laughs> in the class. And then one day I walked in, the teacher had on the board in chalk, para to win. I said, that's it, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so would they banter with you? Like, did they say anything to you? Did they ask for your autograph or anything? Oh, I, I, I'm thinking I had some banter to the girl. She was, she was sitting right next to me, but... Uh, I don't remember her name or anything. I just, yeah, it kind of freaked me a bit. I'm like, oh, she's wearing a Balmain jersey with my number on it. <laughs> so, so yeah. freaked you out for 30 years. You stayed out of the industry. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just, yeah. Well, I suppose things started going well in footy. I got the chance then to just do part-time work with uh, with friends and 
and train a bit harder. And that that what I look back at it now and think that's probably helped me, especially as a school kid, get stronger because I, I did a lot of that because we didn't have gym sessions back in those early days. Yeah, you had to do your own gym. So I went about you know really getting stronger. So um, I'm sure that helped. Yeah, Brush. What was your first job? My first job, very first job I did. I um, what came first was it that? Um, I worked at the uh, uh, dairy dairy farmers milk factory at uh, North uh, Westmead there. Yeah, did you ever have a footy I, uh, card? That's you know how back in the day they used to have a footy card. Just say you worked at dairy farmers, and it would say obviously Tim Brash yeah. Centre slash Milkman or whatever. Yeah, I don't have a card saying. I don't think they they didn't do that anymore when uh, my card came out. Um, and I also did some uh, city city removalists we used to do. So we used to go in the city in the back of a truck, move an office. We'd sleep in the truck overnight and, the, and then do do the next morning and then come back. <laughs> that, was, that was yeah, just bizarre little jobs you did when you were 15, 16 years of age, still at school. Yeah, 100%. Now, Brash, take me to your actual run-on debut because it's at Belmore against Can- a tough Canterbury team. You know, even though you guys go down, it's – it must have been, you know, after your debut in round five and you're looking at what was it like now after, you know, spending a little bit of time now with Gary Jack and Wayne Pierce, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, well, look at it now when uh, it, was, it was an amazing feeling. Uh, my uncle was there, my uncle um, who was the masseuse at, uh, at West. Um, Terry Lamb was at West when he was the masseuse there. So uh, bizarre that uh, Terry and I had a bit of a run in. And um, Bar Bar has picked me up by my shorts and lifted me. <laughs> and um, was he uh, strong? Paul Dunn, Paul Dunn goes past and goes, "I wouldn't do it if I was you, mate." And yeah, he was strong as an ox. And then after the game, my uncle made sure that he got Terry Lamb and me together and said, "This is this is my nephew. Leave him alone." <laughs> <laughs> what did Bar so, Bar uh, say? Yeah, no, he was he was good about it. And he said, "Got to teach these young kids, you know, a bit of respect." And I certainly did. And uh, I remember my second actually game I came off the bench was at Penrith uh, before that game. And um, I remember um, Chris Mortimer, he, he taught me a bit of a lesson too with, with a nice little elbow. <laughs> so, um, Jesus. These old, these old blokes, they, they wouldn't let these young guys get away with too much. Yeah. Brash, how did it feel? Because that run that you guys did into the grand final and all the way through the season, you know, it was a pretty amazing run. Like for an 18-year-old kid, in year 12 at John Paul II, it must have been a pretty surreal experience. Yeah, it was. It was. And like obviously having having cameras come to the school and do interviews and uh, it was it was, a, it was amazing. Uh, it was one of those things that uh, you'll see after the grand final, everyone, our guys are laying down. And I was really upset losing the grand final, but I, I thought, hey, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm just started. I'm gonna have, have plenty more grand finals. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I had one more ha- final. Yeah. The next year, and I never played a semi final after that. So that's why Origin became so much of a big thing to me. Is that that became my uh, my my place to get a trophy, my a spot I could actually you know, play some with some great plays and and being a winning team. And um, but you know, '89 was just it became a blur, I suppose. That two weeks the final series, but um, you know, we'd played. Penrith two weeks in a row. Uh, one week we had to win to make the top five. Yep. That's when Leichhardt over got the ground record at the time. It was an amazing game. We, we won 33-4 or something. Then we had to play them again the next week and Freddie played. And um, 
yeah, so it was cool. We got a photo with Freddie after the, we, we beat them there in the final, in the semi-final, and uh, it was weird. I got a photo of him the year before at Schoolboys. I was taller than him. <laughs> I was taller than him. One yeah, year great, later, yeah. he had me by by two inches. <laughs> like he just had a growth for it. So uh, yeah, it was um, it was an amazing experience, and you know, I really I look back at it and go, I'm so lucky that I came into that team that I came into uh, the experience. I uh, beat for life. experience experience and life skills you know back then the boys said to me you know, what are you doing with your money buy a property i'm so glad they said that and i was a bit tidy anyway so it was good but also you know training wise uh work ethic uh to come to the team of legends that have been there done that for years and also were a great team in the 80s was just uh you know a blessing in disguise yeah did you ever train with because obviously junior pierce was was known for his you know extras and all the the different things that he was doing with weights and things like that did you guys ever train together we all did we had a great because we didn't have a, a weight session so we all you know steve o'brien was a big guy that i trained with uh you know michael pobgy i took his spot in the centers and he was one of my mentors gary freeman lived in kings langley where i did and uh we'd meet in the mornings and go for runs yeah, nice. Just, everyone was just so good, I, I, training partners. But Steve O'Brien, we, we did a bunch together. Uh, Johnny Elias was amazing. Like He, he helped me out a lot. Um, he was big in, in the weight sessions. Um, Dave Brooks, champion. You know, we, we just had a great team of guys that put it in. Uh, even Blocker. Blocker trained his butt off. You know, for a big guy, a big fella. Yeah. for him to keep his weight down, he had to do so. He did a lot of extras. So um, we just had a, you know, like I said, a great environment of guys that all knew what it took to be the best. Yeah. Now, Tim, for an 18-year-old entering his first grand final and taking on Canberra and your opposing centres are Mal Meninga and Laurie Daly, how does an 18-year-old prepare for a grand final? Well, we played uh, Canberra in the year and we beat them at Seaford Oval and they didn't have their uh, representative players. So uh, I hadn't played, come up against Mal, and so Mal ended up being the guy opposite me, of course. I think I was uh, 78 kilo, he was 108. Were you scared? So only about 40, 30 kilo. Um, I wasn't scared. I, I, I thought, that I, you know, I knew I had enough pace. I just also knew that I couldn't take him front on. <laughs> he was going to run over me. <laughs> so um, so I, what, what I did is uh, I, I, asked, um, I asked Wayne Pierce, I said, mate, how, how am I – I'm going to get Mal. Like, can you teach me how to get her brush? It's easy. He said, when he's run at you, he said, all you do is bend down, pick up some shit, and throw it in his face. <laughs> I said, I said, mate, we're on the SFS. There's going to be nothing on the ground. He said, there will be when he starts running at you. <laughs> so that's just a little something I say in my, in my thing. I thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> it's probably true, mate. <laughs> no. But no, he was he was tough. Like, And, um, you know, over the years, I, I kind of get a fair few times. But, uh my trick back then was the jersey, go side on, get him, get him by the uh, the collar on the jersey. Just wear decent collars back then, and and use his, his own body weight to pull him down. Because uh, that will go really low side on. I could not take him front on. Yeah, he disrupt, yeah. Was he the hardest player to tackle? Um, so I'll tell you the truth, and I think most guys, most backs will, the smaller guys will back me up here. Is I would rather a big guy running at me than a little guy because a big guy thinks he can run over you. And he's going to run at you. Okay. So you, you can take him. Whereas so you can plan it sort of thing. You know what he's going to do. I'd, someone with feet like Brad Fittler or Chica Ferguson and pace, they're way harder. Especially at fullback when you've got, you've got room. 
But in, in the in the line that centers, like yep. it's a lot easier because you've got guys inside and outside you that can help you move them around and, and you can you can tackle them. But uh, at fullback, yeah, give me give me a big guy all day who's got no step. <laughs> yeah, or a good five five that's big. Did you have to defend next to McNeil? Uh yeah, I did that a bit. Yeah, Mick, Jesus, because uh, he was tiny too. What was he like? Fifty kilos? Yeah, no, he was probably uh, I'd say yeah, late sixties, sixty-eight, sixty-nine kilos, seventy probably around there. Yeah, heart, yeah, massive heart, but an old magsy. But even Gary Freeman wasn't big either. He wouldn't have been what? No, nah, but he was tough as nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Can only imagine. He'd take your arm off if he could. <laughs> Jesus. Now, Tim, for all the you know early success that we you know spoke about before, did you ever have an opportunity, or did you ever think about leaving? Balmain earlier than you did? I did, actually. I had a couple of meetings with uh, Manly and with uh, with the Roosters. Okay. What, uh, what period of time was that? Oh, I think it was 90, probably two years in. So I had two-year contracts. So, yeah, 91. Okay. 91, 92, around there. And that's when you just would have been representative, and... too. So you would have been... Yeah. It's one of those things is... Um, you know, I just didn't want to uh, give them away the Tigers. And I didn't really, you know, obviously know what was going to happen over the next you know, five or six years and a wooden spoon here and there. But um, what can you do? We, uh, I was lucky enough to obviously play good enough football to keep playing rep footy, but, you know, I, not getting a, another crack at the finals was, uh, was tough to take. But what can you do? Yeah. Now, you know, obviously you had feel good at, at rep level, but at club level, who do you think was maybe the the biggest influence coach wise on you? Um, obviously, beginning, you know, um, I think Graham Murray was the one in reserve where that gave me really pushed Warren Ryan to pick me. Uh, yeah. Wok was good; I enjoyed Wok, uh, his style, and he actually had a lot of faith in me as a young kid. Who gave the but, best spray? Uh, best spray, oh, Wok gave me a spray the first uh, training session when I. Couldn't pass from left to right. <laughs> Johnny Elias came in and saved me. And um, so for the next month, I uh, after training, I drew a little circle on the wall and threw left-handed passes, and I soon got there. But uh, end up, yeah, I, it's weird because I, I, I say now to all the kids, I say if you be able to do everything both hands, step both feet, pass both ways, palm both arms, carry both hands, because. Very important skills to have, and I didn't have them when I got in the first grade, and uh, I got there. But uh, certainly, the passing one had to happen, and it happened pretty quickly. Yeah, um, coach-wise, I think, and that probably was what leads on to my favourite coach in club football was was definitely Tim Sheens at the Cowboys. Yeah, nice. I just love that he still went back to the basics, things like two on one, three on two down the sideline. So it just gave you that confidence. And if you watch the Tigers when they won that grand final in '05, their skill. Uh, with someone like with someone right on them with no room to be able to just tap that ball on and, and offload that pass under pressure, uh, that was amazing. Their, their team was so good at it, and that that you don't just you don't just have that. You got to do that. You got to keep doing that. It's like golf having that touch, you know, putting. You, you don't just all of a sudden stop putting for a year and then come back and you you can do it. You got that feel again. You got to keep that feel. Mm. And uh, I love the fact that we did that and uh, did that as little things. Brash, you know you just you spoke about coaching. How much is what you learnt from coaches 
in rugby league. How much did that help you when you started caddying over in, in Europe and the USA? Well, I think more of the psych of it. You know, caddying is a massive psych. Like being in, being saying the right thing at the right time. Uh, obviously, you know, the discipline of being able to turn up and be there no matter what. Um, you know, um, keeping up. They'll keep up, shut up. You know, turn up. That's uh, very important in caddying. But uh, I found that uh, you know, it's probably the probably two biggest moments of my caddying career was uh, you know with Tim Wilkinson getting into the um, PGA Tour Q School. Six rounds. It's crazy. We're in Florida. It was hot as hell. Yeah. And um, I will we'll chance we had a bad first round and. We just, uh, I don't know, Andrew Buckle, an Aussie golf, as I said, it was creeping up, started singing that song, Creeping Up Slowly. I thought, yeah, you know what, that's right. So we uh, we got our mindset back. And then we got close and we're looking okay. And last round, I just, that night, I was staying with Timmy in the same uh, hotel. And I said, look, let's have a chat about, about nerves and, and how are you with nerves? How do they affect you? And uh, we, had, we just had a conversation about it. And I said, look, there's there's two types. I said, there's people that can handle nerves and people that can't. Mm. I said, you've got to embrace them. You, you know, you're going to get them. If you don't get nerves, it doesn't mean anything to you. I said, but it's how you react to them, and and that's what I loved about Origin. Like, I, I if I could get that feeling again in my life, where pre-game Origin, I loved that. Your legs were wobbly, you felt hollow. You got out there, and you just—it was such an amazing feeling. But all you, all of a sudden, you use that energy switch on and play fantastic. So that was a uh, little chat with him. And um, he, Timmy Wilkinson did fantastic. And uh, we came to the second last hole and he was in a, in the right-hand rough. And uh, par five, he says, oh, how far we got? Do I need to? What do I want to need? And I, I just I'd asked the official where the scores were. Yeah. And I said to Timmy, I said, we don't need to. He just pulls the wedge out, pops it out over the tree on the fairway, gets a par. Pars the last, and we uh, we made the PGA Tour. That was awesome. Like just that feeling. To, but to see him under that pressure perform was great. Yeah, Tim. You know, you spoke about you know a lot about the psych. How do you tell someone that's technically a better golfer than you what to do? Well, you don't. You don't tell them what to do. <laughs> so, what's it like? Just, Is there a plan? Is do you guys sit down before an event? Like, how do you how do you guys even like plan things out? Yeah. Well, you, you obviously play that. You play the. Uh, the course probably one and a half times in in the week in the, that week leading up. And um, were you playing you know, together, you, or were you always no? Nah, I'm clubs? caddying. I'm caddying, yeah, yeah, and you're, yeah. you're marking things out. You got you can use your laser there, so the yardage looks pretty good. It gives you some great. But you, there might be a few things you want to just take it a, a laser of how far that tree is or the run out there, so we know a few things. And you work your way around it. You, you put a few things, a lot of notes into your, your yardage book, so then when you get to the next time. You've always got the wind every day, so you know which way it was coming yesterday or the day before, and so you know how things work. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, you know he's playing. Like when he's having a bad day, it's horrible. Like it's just tough work out there. But all you can do is you know, be positive when you should be positive, and totally got to shut up when you know you can't be too over positive when he's having a bad day because the last thing you want to do is go, mate, you're going well, and he's going, no, I'm not. You know, yeah. like, you start fighting. So, uh, but then it's you know being able to say, hey. You know, he'll only ask me what club I think when he doesn't know. Okay. Because he knows his golf game better than I or better than anyone knows it. So if he's in a pickle where it's, he's in between clubs, depending on the lie, the wind, how far it is, then he'll say, what do you think, Brash? And only once 
uh, I had actually probably ever were at um, the Travelers up in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, well, he hit his first ball on the water. Well, he had the second ball, the next shot goes over the water to a, a pin that was just over the water on the green, and um, he had with 200 yards, and he goes, he pulled the four iron. He goes, you like this? I said, no, I think it's a five. So I put him one club shorter, mm. and I've prayed. I'm I'm not a religious guy anymore, but I <laughs> said, oh, please. <laughs> oh, I said, please, God, please, God, go, go. And um, he put it to five feet. So uh, it was the right club, but I, he was being obviously, um, you know, making sure that he, he got it over the water, And whereas I pulled the club that uh, I knew was the right club to get close to the hole, to actually par the hole because we'd already gone the water. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was amazing <laughs> to see that. But Jesus, that's stressful. I can only <laughs> imagine. Hey, Brush, was any of your golfers ever like paired with like a Tiger Woods or a Ernie Els? Uh, no, we played. You know, I played a few rounds with uh, Adam Scott because his best mate was uh, one of the guys that got me in the caddy. Yeah, nice. What's um, he like? Yeah, you know, yeah, Scott is a champion. Um, I played with uh, you know, Ian Woosnam, Montgomery. Probably two rounds of my first four rounds of golf when I was with Terry Terry Price in Europe. Yeah, Monty nice. was awesome. Monty, like people gave Monty a bad bad rap, but he did a little bit of a a crowd Nazi. Uh, you know, you, you can't you know, step on a twig; he, he goes off his head. But uh, he was he was a funny guy. You know, very talkative. Um, and what you find on the European tour back in those days, they were way more talkative than got the PGA tour, and no one talks to anyone. Yeah, they just go about their work. But um, Monty, yeah. uh, we 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 I'll tell you a story. We, yeah, we're at uh, we're in in Spain and we're in there's no one there. There's three people in the crowd, like about fifty yards away along the rope, and we're teeing off down this chute, and we walk straight ahead, and they're on off to the right, and we're walking up, and this guy starts waving a hat and a pen. So Monty goes, oh. And walks up, starts walking over to him. And Monty, got, he got almost to Monty about you know, after about forty meters of walking, and I'm almost got to the guy, Monty. Even the guy goes, "No, no, mate, the, the caddy. He's a rugby league fan." <laughs> <laughs> so Monty was dirty. <laughs> so he had to sign an autograph. <laughs> uh, Tim, that's you know your experience being a caddy. Did that? You know, a lot of athletes struggle post post retirement. Did that make a huge help for you? Oh, absolutely. I, I that's why I got. I pretty much I left the country two months after I retired. Um, I was kind of chasing a girl in Canada, an okay. ex-girlfriend, but end up uh, with a friend, and uh, we ended up buying a bar, and I had a bar there, and then I got into caddying and. I'd always come back to a back from the bar, and I end up buying a unit over there in uh, in Calgary, in Canada. I loved it, loved my life over there, and cutting was in between, so I do both. And um, you know, it's just it was me being me again instead of me being this footy player. And uh, you know, no one over there knew until I got back in the cutting, I suppose, and some or the Aussie guys did, but you know, it was different. They didn't treat you like that, so it was uh, it was so cool just to be me, Tim Brasher again. Yeah, this kid from you know, from Sydney. Yeah, what'd Rather you call your bar? This, uh, it was called Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, it was good fun. So uh, you know, I had that for about four years, and uh, we had fun. I got my dad over there once, and uh, it was good, good times. And uh, you know, it's um, yeah, certainly, I think it certainly helped me uh, transition 
you know, caddying in the bar and being overseas uh, and being away from football. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's some great advice for some players maybe about to retire. Yeah, the only part with that is that if you do want to be a part of rugby league and you want to coach and you want to be in the media, that's probably not the best thing to do because you, you, you're out of sight. By the time yeah. you get back, your name is diminished a bit. Uh, six years later, I come back, how many guys are retired and are taking spots that, and these days they're signing contracts for media and for coaching and assistant coaching during the last year. So uh, you're not going to get that side of things. I suppose I missed out on that. But, um, you know, I'm kind of glad I did. Yeah, did you ever think of coaching? Because, you know, all that experience that you had at caddying. I actually had Wingy on, Craig Wing, on the about three or four weeks ago, and he, he mentioned you as one of the biggest mentors in him finding out how to play fullback. So it's a pretty big rap. Yeah, no, I think him and uh, I suppose Matty Barn was another one. I'd kind of, cause Matty, Matty was a halfback at, uh, at um, Cowboys, and I got injured, and they put him at fullback, and he was obviously untouchable with fullback, like bringing the ball back. But didn't really same as Wingy didn't really have an idea of where to be because they're both they're both halfbacks. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just basically what I did was just sat behind him at training, and because uh, I was limping around and uh, just talked to him and what are you thinking here? What do you? And I'll give them my advice of where to be and what to do. And uh, obviously they became great fullbacks in their own right. And um, you know it's that, that's that's what you do. Like you know you're in this team and we're all mates. So, uh, you know, I wasn't worried about my position or anything. And when I came back at the Cowboys, I wasn't, of course, I come back from a knee operation. I wasn't going to go to fullback anyway. It's way mm. too much running. Yeah. And I just slid back into the, into the centers where I'd, I'd started back many years before. And it was, a, it was a good way to end, actually, back in the centers. Yeah. Actually, but, um, that, that knee yeah. injury, look, I've, I've looked it up and I've got two results. <laughs> now, you can try and confirm this. Now, I've got one. You fell off a chair cleaning a fan or you had a trail biking adventure going wrong with Nathan Feen. Are you a lawyer? And is, there, is there a statute of limitations? <laughs> what against Feeney? Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Feeney and I were going for a ride and nothing. And then no one fell off the bike. He actually just turned in front of me and knocked me and I put my foot down and pop went the knee. Oh, God. Yeah. So all your, your career ended because of Nathan Feen? Basically. <laughs> Feeney and I, I'm okay with Feeney it's okay things happen like I said like, if that didn't happen I'll, I'll look at it positively if that didn't happen I wouldn't have done my adventure to Canada I wouldn't have caddied and I love what I did over there yeah hey Rash when you went to Bath to play rugby union did you have any idea what was going on yeah I played rugby for uh, all my schoolboy years oh you did I actually, I actually played when I made the Australian schoolboys that year in the league oh is that I was one in of those I was, rugby, I was uh, in the New South Wales rugby team as well did you have any feelers to go over uh, no I didn't, I didn't want to go like over anyway. I was over there just renewing my uh, visa for uh, to go back to Canada that's fair and I ended up training with uh, witness with Julian O'Neill and the coach there said hey mate you look alright how's the knee I said good so they signed me up and their season was over, so I uh, said, do you mind going and playing rugby and just see how your knee goes? I said, sweet. Went to Bath, and I loved it. I had three months of Bath and loved it, and, you know, at the end, I was like, I had four mates going uh, snowboarding the Pyrenees for Christmas, and the Bath needed to get rid of one of their international players, and I just said to Knuckles Connolly, the old Australian coach, I said, mate, I'll, uh, I'll retire again, thank you. I've, uh, I've enjoyed the time. I needed that closure. The closure was great. I loved it. As long and, uh, as you buy me a bar. I wouldn't no, I wouldn't <laughs> snowboard in the Pyrenees. It was <laughs> more fun. 
All right, Brash, let's end on a few personality questions. The first one, just a little bit about leadership. Over your career, who was the leader that you most admired and why? The leader I most admired, my favorite captains, I suppose. To start with, I suppose Wayne Pierce was awesome um, in club level. I think he was, uh, you know, obviously being a kid and being a bit of starstruck as well. But also the way he, you know, the whole team, I suppose, did it. I, I think that came from him. Um, we looked after each other. We self-managed. Um, in in Origin, you know, Laurie Daly and, and Brad Fittler were, were fantastic captains. And uh, obviously I had Mal in the Aussie team who was, was pretty awesome too. So I got blessed, yeah. I think, with, uh, with leaders and uh, mentors. Yeah, what was your kind of style that you liked more? More of a talker or more of a kind of leader with the action sort of, sort of. No, thing? I like, I like both. I like, I like, I think you, you got to lead, but you've also got to say the right thing at the right time and and not mm-hmm. be afraid to make that that hard call. Did you enjoy your captaincy? Because you captained pretty much the last two or three years of your career. Yeah, I loved it. I loved, I loved looking after the boys. I loved talking to the boys. Uh, you know, my my captaincy, the way I captained, was uh, definitely leading by example, but. Also, just making guys you know realize that we're here for fun too. Because the reason we played footy when we were kids was for fun. So let's yeah. go out and have fun. If we if we're having fun, we're generally winning. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I interviewed Kurt Capel last week, and you know obviously the Sharks before they you know gave it to the Dragons on the weekend, they're five and five, and they had a lot of injuries, yeah. and it, pretty much the games. What Kurt was saying was they put too much pressure on themselves talking about winning, and the yeah. games that they were winning was the ones where they just said, well, boys, you know, we're down on troops. Let's just go out there and have some fun. And they did Absolutely. it again on the weekend. And he spoke about it on the Friday before they played on Sunday. And they torched him. Yep. I think that's, there's something in that. Yeah, have to write that one down. All right, next one you've <laughs> already answered, mate. Toughest opponents. You've already answered that. Most awkward opponents, probably similar. Now, your favorite ground, I know you love playing at Land Park. Apart from the rep footy stuff, did you have a favorite ground outside of Leichhardt? And maybe a ground, that a bogey ground, like somewhere you couldn't win. No, definitely a bogey ground. I hated Brookvale. <laughs> Everyone does. Yeah, yeah Brook, 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 there was something about Brookie. I just didn't like Brookie at all. Um, I don't think I had a good game there. I can't remember having a good game there at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely a bogey hole. Bogey yeah. ground, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay, final question, Brash. Now, I'm not sure if you, I sent it to you, but I'm not sure if you saw it. Now, it's just my dinner party question. You've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, only rules... No family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would you invite? I did. I saw that, and I wrote them down, and they're, da- and they're downstairs. And uh, definitely Tiger Woods. Yep. Uh, I, I think I wrote Steve Jobs. You need someone to uh, give me some insights. Yeah. Have you met Tiger? I've uh, been next to him. Haven't met him. Big we're, fella. We're supposed to meet him. We're supposed to yeah. We're supposed to meet him uh, and play with him because Timmy Wilkinson's Kiwi and his, his caddy was a Kiwi at the time. Uh, Steve Williams and uh, Tiger did his knee in that um, the PGA Championship. Yeah. And, uh, do you stay up and play watch, that next event? Do you stay up and watch all the tournaments still? I just take them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we can record now. It's pretty, it's pretty That's good. true. That's true. Yeah. Um, who else did I say? I, 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 Ed and Center. Guarantee I loved Ed and Center. Are you a big F1? No, not a big F1 fan. Back in those days, I was. I, I, was, I was a wide world of sports. A Saturday before the Sunday game, I'd sit there on the couch and watch it all day. Were you a Ford so, or Holden um, guy? I was a Ford guy, yeah. But, yeah, nice. But okay. but but I was a Peter Brock guy too. So secret secret Holden. Yeah. So I liked Ford, but I uh, yeah, Brocky was my man. Um, <laughs> I think I 
I wrote uh, Michael Jordan. Yep. And I thought I'd throw a bit of music in, and I'm actually going to go in, in two weeks and see his band because he's not alive anymore. It's Bob Marley. I love Bob Marley, so uh, oh, nice. I'm going to see the Whalers in Sydney. So that'll uh, that'd be pretty cool to see his old band. Play. There you go. Did you used to have the Walkman on before a game? I did have the Walkman. I had. I was a bit of a tech guy, so I tried to be ahead of everything. I had mini discs. I had MP3s when they came out. I yeah, just had the light going. <laughs> Well, Brash, I really appreciate you joining me on the show tonight. Before I let you leave, usually this time I, you know, you can plug anything that you want. I know you're not really on social media, so anything else that you want? I know you've just got a brand new business with your accountancy stuff. Is there anything you want to you want to add? Oh no, I'm all right, mate. I'm I'm just happy to uh, have a chat and uh, I hope someone gets something out of it. Nah, definitely, mate. Me being from John Paul too. I'm going to say we're That's both probably cool. the best best two John Paul two players in history, apart from Tony Pulitzer. Oh, I'm going to make Phil Howell the winner, right? To... Oh, he's all right. I'll beat him, but <laughs> <laughs> Actually, mate, I actually, there's a bit of a dream team because Brad Drew went there as well. Scotty Pepperbridge. Oh, good players. Oh, Frank Pulitzer. There's yeah. some really good players that actually went, so I don't think I'll make the starting 30. Oh, I'm not sure I haven't seen you play, so we'll have to, have to show me some... Uh... Moves. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brash, enjoy the origin next Wednesday, bud, and I really appreciate you joining me on the show, bud. Cheers, Tristan. And that, guys, was Timmy Brash. I really hope you did enjoy that. Go the Blues, but, you know, for the Queenslanders out there as well, enjoy the game on Wednesday. I think the both teams have come up with, with cracking, cracking teams. I think Queensland's a little bit underrated. I'm actually surprised that they're actual underdogs. I do expect that bench from the Blues to really give us the advantage and hopefully we take it away, but you know, hopefully we get a great game as well. All right, guys, next up on the podcast, we're going to be going NFL Phil in terms of Colin Scott's. So Big Cole, he's an absolute giant of a man. He's about six foot seven. Absolutely dwarfed me, even though I'm only five foot five. But he is the first Aussie drafted to the NFL and also the first Aussie awarded a scholarship over in America for American football. So plenty on the on the calendar still to come. I've been busy over the last couple of weeks. Recorded with Sharky's Kurt Capewell, as well as in the back in my back pocket. I've also got episodes to release with Michael Butner, Henry Paul, Mark Schwarzer, Keith Mason, and the great Mark Eller. So definitely continue to share that show, share this show with your family and friends. I really appreciate the support and the growth that you guys have helped me achieve over the last six months. Definitely connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at Talking with TK, or drop me a line at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Always love to hear where you're listening to the show from, teams you support, the podcasts you love, and people that you want to see on the show. All right, guys, enjoy Origin. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.